Welcome to Neurons to Nirvana, a platform for creative forces that embrace the unconventional and the quest for artistry, humanity, innovation, health, and healing of the mind and soul. Join me, Tom Hartridge, on a journey celebrating experiences unbound by physical borders or traditional norms. From inside the mind to the far reaches of the universe, this is Neurons to Nirvana. This week's guest is Indra Rinsler, and he's a lifetime spiritual seeker. He's traveled to 56 countries and has a broader view of society than most in his 75 years of life. Indra shares that joy may indeed be part of the overall experience, yet folks seem to be both tormented as well as excited in living their passions. Indra shares wisdom from the observations and life experience he has had over the years. We discuss his vocation with Vedic astrology and use of the Enneagram. You'll really need to listen to the rest of the story as we explore other interesting points of connectivity. So you've been an astrologist for roughly, what, 50, 50 years? Is that correct? Yes. When I started uh, my spiritual path, I, I, I started going to metaphysical bookstores. I didn't really know about them before. When I moved to uh, the West Coast, to uh, uh, East Bay, the East Bay, Berkeley area in California. And and so when I started buying metaphysical bookstore books, I also started by, buying spirit, uh, uh, astrology books. And I think that I had an interest in astrology because because I was a numbers person because I I liked I, I thought mathematically, right. And and you know whatever the fact was is that I, I I was interested in astrology and I've and it's been a constant theme. I didn't always I had a twenty year period when I was raising kids was I wasn't doing it so much but but since then. Um, it's it's been a main focus as a as a way to uh, help people to understand their strengths and weaknesses, their challenges in life, and I do it differently than most people. First of all, I'm a Vedic astrologer, which is the astrology of India, and I believe uh, that the sidereal time versus the tropical time in Western astrology—that's how we cast the charts. I feel it to be a a more uh, that its frequency is more adaptive to understanding our core stories in a way to be able to let them go in order to wake up spiritually. Right. So I came across an interview and this is uh, it was it resounded with me where you spoke to someone on a separate podcast about after your parents passed away. Personally, this is something my mother passed away a year ago, and then my father, who I was whom I was very close with, passed away from cancer uh, seven years ago. It'll be seven in April. But uh, they were obviously a large part of my life. They're the reason why you and I are even speaking <laughs> and why I'm yeah. alive. And uh, it's strange not having them. And so even when I lost my father, I was. I've always been uh, a spiritual person and I've always been searching and astrology kind of goes in alignment with, with that for me and numbers. Um, also plant medicine. I've had uh, battles with depression and anxiety 
and ADHD also uh, in school. Um, basically, ADHD since childhood, but uh, depression and anxiety since around late adolescence or 16 tops at the latest. And so it's always been, I've been, I've always felt like I was on a search for something. Uh, I lived in Savannah, Georgia, where I was born and raised. My family had been, my family's been there literally for eight generations. Wow. And, yeah. And so I was reading things such as um, location astrology, the uncomfortable surroundings where we're born. So my right. family, yeah, and I wanted to talk to you about that because my family has literally been there for generations. And I've always had this creative urge to do something creative. And my parents weren't exactly uh, supportive in that realm per se. They wanted me to do the, take the more traditional route. So I was an insurance broker for a long time and, and been in corporate sales. But when my father passed away, I gave the eulogy and I, I made 500 people laugh and cry. And I had suppressed this, this urge to perform or help people with, I think that humor is a great medicine. And uh, once I did that, I just, and music has also been a healing power for me as well. So that's how I wound up in Austin, Texas, because, well, right now it's been extremely difficult because I was taken away. It's just now coming back because of the pandemic. But that's, I literally moved to this place. It was sort of calling my name, only knowing two or three people. Just packed up, left the house I owned, packed up my rider truck with my dog Rex, and literally just took a chance. And so, you know, a roundabout way, I, can you elaborate on location astrology and how that works? So I, I call it the, the, the power of place is that, that, that certain places have uh, certain energetics that are about us, about our chart, that, that there are places that everybody feels power like Stonehenge. You know, yes. everybody can feel power there or the Grand Canyon. That's about that the power is there. But 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 there is a way to uh, to overlay our chart onto the earth and to find places where we have power, where we have energy that is that is conducive to different aspects of ourselves, uh, where we can be creative, where we can be more spiritual, where we can have better relationships. That's what the teaching says, the location astrology teachings. And for some people, their story is very involved in location because uh, like you, I didn't feel, and maybe you heard this too, I didn't feel, I grew up in, in New York, right. in Manhattan, and, and it was a place that I didn't really vibe with. And, and I was ready to leave, uh, you know, I left as soon as I could. And uh, that's neither good nor bad, it just is. And it, and it doesn't really tell a story, you know, you're wanting to leave your eight generations could be that the family, you know, for already four generations has needed to leave. Yeah. You know, it isn't it isn't either it isn't that you're either a black sheep or a white sheep for that matter. <laughs> right, right. 
you know, I mean, not necessarily, but but the place, uh, but place has a particular, uh, but but where we are has a particular power for us. And I, and interestingly enough, I find that the the young people don't like to be where there's no lines because then they say they don't meet anybody. But the older people, they, you know, like if you're in a place in your life that you want to go live at a mountaintop, then it's really good maybe for you to be where the lines aren't because the lines are intense. And right. and so where you go to a place where there aren't so many lines, that can be a better place for you. But then, but then if you're you know, single and swinging, whatever that means, maybe we don't use that term anymore, then you want to be where the lines are so that you meet people. But if you're older and you want quiet and you want to go inward, then you then you don't want to be with the lines. And so and so, you know, even though many people in the astrology world want to make absolutes out of absolutely everything, uh, there aren't any absolutes and and what's what's uh what's good for one isn't and and what's good let me put it what's good for one isn't necessarily good for another and what's good for you right now next week may not be as good for you or right. it may be even better and so and so that isn't and when i say next week i mean you know next year next decade but but the thing is it isn't that you need to check every moment it's that it's that things change and this is this is there's a lot of grace in that things change and and everything is changing and when we make peace with that then we learn to flow with what is rather than wanting it to be a certain way absolutely and that was the other thing i wanted to say when i watched an interview that you gave in relation to uh, you felt as though you had a clean slate when your parents passed away, in a sense, correct? Yeah, I had I had uh, a clean slate. Yeah, it's it's not that I wanted them to li- to leave, and it's not that it didn't feel so much about me. It was about their they they were done, and at an at an early age, and natural causes, two years apart. But it the but the thing was, it gave me the freedom. It it gave me the freedom to be able to move, which I was already kind of doing. I was already I went to school in the Midwest, and I was ready to go to the West Coast. And and so that didn't hold me back. And it also gave me some economics in order to get started. And so and and so that freedom, the part of the story without going into it too far is, is that there were, I don't know, some generational things. There was some I was protected. I was the youngest and I there was a, a theme of protection. <laughs> yeah protection protected whatever that means i'm not exactly sure what i was protected from but the thing was there was sort of a protection already going on and then in the sense that the that the 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 the, the, i had an older sister who ended up moving to the west coast but but i wasn't so beholden i wasn't beholden to the family and so i was in in astrologically i was in my rahu period which is the north node of the moon and that's about I got to be me. I got to be myself. I got to be the, I'm the rebel. I got to break loose from society. And, you know, I wake up one day and it's all, you know, I'm like turning around, ready to break away. And there's, there's nothing behind me. You know, there's nothing, there's, there's not, I don't have to break loose. It's already gone. And so I took that to be kind of a theme that, that, or a blessing, you know, in the sense that, that uh you know no right no wrong but it gave me an opportunity to be able to explore and i was about 23 or 24 and um i don't remember how i said it back then 
but it was kind of like I said, I I need to find myself. I need to, you know, right now we might say I need to come into my power, but we didn't say that 50 years ago. We said, maybe I need to find happiness. Maybe right. I need to work on myself, whatever I said, but there was a clarity that 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 there was uh, that I had the opportunity to go within and that I became a seeker and I wasn't necessarily seeking before, but I became a seeker and um, and I haven't really stopped. What is real for me in astrology is that, that the position of the planets in our natal chart have strengths and weaknesses. And I find that there's a constant theme with the planets that are edgy in their uh, in their placement. Edgy means that they're in signs that they're not comfortable. The, the signs are neutral, the houses are neutral, and the planets are neutral. But what isn't neutral is that if you have a fiery planet in a watery sign, then it creates attention and edginess and then we react from that edginess how do we react because we don't feel comfortable we 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 look around our shoulder we 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 uh, we're reactive we're we're um uh compulsive and and that is where the the uh, that's what i teach that's what i share is uh, people's strengths and weaknesses in order for them to be able to understand who they think they are in order to be able to let it go and become who they really are beyond the personality the the chart lays down the personality but that's only that's only how the personality that we interact with the world it isn't really who we are which is essence which is spirit and how do we know we are that is because we can feel what people think because we're connected to them because when we but when we're intuitive when we're when we're feeling then we can feel we can feel a connection with people that is always there but not always something that we're feeling and so if this makes sense to you this this simplistic point of view i found a tremendous depth in this simplistic point of view is to is to get rid of all of the noise and distractions and just go down to the core placement because that's where the work is yes i feel like sharing my birthday is uh december 11th 1979 so <laughs> well i'd have to you know i'd have to i need I, the time and i'd, and no, I'd have no, to do I, the chart no but i'm just listening to some of the traits that you were just saying and uh some of those align with being a sagittarius is all i'm saying <laughs> okay um that being said Let's get into the Enneagrams of personality and yes. your practice with that. Can you elaborate so, on that? Yeah. Yeah. So the Enneagram is a term, is a Greek, it comes from Greek and it means nine-sided figure. And this is a teaching that's about 60 years old. And the teaching says that there are nine personality types. And and there are people that immediately will react and say, don't box me in. But the thing <laughs> is, is that you're already boxed in. What we're trying to do is to get you out of the box. And, and so on a, on a, on a 
on a psychological level that this this teaching was was from Gurdjieff, which most people don't know anymore. He was like the the father of the New Age movement. Started teaching around a hundred years ago, and it was a student student that that put person. He was a psychologist and a and a spiritual seeker, and he put uh, personalities at these at these the nine. Uh, points of the Enneagram figure. And, and these particular nine personality uh, 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 styles uh, or archetypes uh, on a simplest of levels, on a psychological level, will help us to have better relationships and to know ourselves better. But on a spiritual level, it is a unique teaching. There's no absolutely no bias and what it does is it helps us to know it it helps us to give us our core triggers in order for able to us to get back to the moment right and that isn't the goal of psychology that is the goal of the spiritual path and so these nine archetypes i believe are the nine archetypes that have been handed down to us from be uh, from uh, between 2 to 5000 years this is the judeo christian tradition conditioning that we're all trying to grab a hold of and let go of. And the Enneagram says that there are nine uh, lenses that we view life with and that one of them is at our core and that once we know which one we have, then we have the ability to be able to let go of those triggers to understand them, that they that, that they're so meticulous, that the patterning is so uh pervasive that i can meet somebody that i've never met before with or without their chart and if they tell me their number i can tell them an incredible amount of things about them not because i can intuitionally see but because the patterning is so uh uh strong within these types that they have the same um uh, strategies among types and and that uh you know they won't exactly be the same but they'll be close enough to be shocking to people in in terms of in terms of one that i can see it in terms of two is once you understand it for yourself then you can then you can learn to uh to uh to let it go to 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 uh, to overcome it to to uh stop it when you start running your patterns yeah, and, and in a way, also use it sort of as a compass to move forward. Yes, the con that's a very good point, Tom, and, and that's what these all are, compasses. These are the modalities that I use, I say, help to place us in this world, that, 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 that it's not so much that I'm going to tell you things that you've never heard before, but I'm going to take those puzzle parts and I'm going to put them into, I'm going to make them fit together in a way that you've never seen, that you never considered before. That's, that's the idea. That's what the, that's the, the, that, that's the way the readings work. That's the way the teachings work for people. Well, so how do you figure out exactly the Enneagram that one might be? So, so there's a simple, there are some, some word tests that you can take. There's a simple test that I, that I, that I pass out. It's a free. And uh, if people will write me, I can send them the test. I can send it to you. Yeah. And, and for many people within five or 10 minutes, they can figure out their Enneagram type. Now there are a lot of people, uh, 
probably less than half, but still a lot of people who won't be able to do that. And the reason for that is, is because their Enneagram is a little, is buried a little bit deep. They, they, they're kind of between Enneagrams. They may have really strong conditioning stories. And so they don't really know who they are. And so they, they, they react from parental or societal stories you know, and so they 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 lead with good girls don't or good boys don't or good girls do uh, good boys and girls do, you know. And so if you ask a question of how do you feel and you say, I have no idea. And so and so the tests don't work very well from that position. And so there's nothing wrong with that. But there are a very small number of people who will never figure out their Enneagram because they're just in between. They're just not rooted enough in, in one particular story. And, 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 but for most people, um, for people who don't know, still by studying themselves and working with it and perhaps working with a professional, they can, they can see the clarity in who they really are. And, and even that is a tremendous achievement uh, and growth for people to, for the people who don't know their story to understand what their story actually is, they've already done a lot of the work. Right. Um, and you, you teach a, a couple seminars, four to six weeks, is that correct? You could, uh, are you still doing that? No, I don't. I don't think I've ever done a four to six uh, week. Oh well, yes. Well, years, many years ago, I did do. I did do a, a, an enneagram class that was over six weeks and four weeks with astrology. Yes, okay. I did. I haven't done that in a while. I haven't been doing much teaching with COVID and everything. Okay. Yeah. So how's that? Speaking of COVID, how has that changed? What I mean, your career or what's your passion? Well, it certainly hasn't changed my passion, but it has changed my travel. I, I've been a world traveler. I've I've only been in the U.S. one winter since '98, 1998, I saw that, so. <laughs> except for ex, except for COVID years. I, I so I, that was one of my questions. I was going to because I love to travel. It's one of my favorite. Yeah, things. it soothes my soul. So, Where are you going during the so-called quote-unquote winter uh, months? So scene. I've been I've been mostly going to Asia. I spent 12 years as a as a trader. I I would uh, I would import overseas and I would uh, sell uh, spiritual items, singing bowls and textiles from India and hemp from Nepal and um, and uh, Thailand and Bali and. Uh, Ethiopia and Mongolia and uh, Guatemala and Peru. I, I, I was able to go all over Turkey. I was able yep. to go all over the world and buy things to sell in, uh, in metaphysical shops and health food stores and um, and clothing stores and different items. We had 200 stores at the top. I did that about 12 years, and so that was that was the uh, well. That, it was in, initially I, I went because I had an opportunity to go and then that's how it kept going. And so I did that for 12 years and then, then I couldn't do it anymore. It wasn't that I got old though I'm old, but I, I just couldn't do it anymore. And then this, this was eating at me too much. It was time for me to do this. It was time for me to, to, to bring these modalities together and to make a, a career of it only because 
because there were people to help and also because because what we teach is what we need to learn and so there were things that i needed to learn and i could only do that by confronting my fears around public speaking and and being a a a, a know it some you know no some not a know it all but a know some right, right and uh you know that it was time for me to to express myself and and i i knew i i could see um spiritually not spiritually, but astrologically, I could see that I had been that I was coming up to periods where this would be would be better. In fact, uh, I, I've been in my Saturn period. Uh, it's a Vedic astrology teaching my Saturn Mahadasha, the great period. I'm uh, 16 years now into a 19 year period. And and in Saturn, which which can be difficult for people, for me, it has allowed me to concentrate, to be focused, be focused and disciplined. I, I met a woman who has been my my best friend, you know, since the first 20 minutes we met, and uh, and you know, and so we live together. And so, uh, you know, she's a very Saturn woman, and that was the start of this cycle. But I also went into Sati Sati which isn't worth too much going into, but the idea is that Saturn is over your, your moon. And that's, that's an absolute killer. And, and that's also focusing. That was also focused me that, that, that was really the high, that was really, that got me over the hump was during this Sati Sati that there was no place to go. There was no place to hide. And so I went into a study mode and out of that then came a resolution to, when I went back to India, when I went back to Rishikesh, I was going to put up signs and I was going to start offering readings. And, and, you know, by the fourth reading, uh, I said to myself, I've just achieved my goals, you know, that, that the rest of it is gravy. I just went over a thousand readings, which I'm really happy about, but, but, um, you know, at five readings, I had achieved my goal, you know, and, uh, so how COVID, you know, how COVID has affected uh, me is that, that I had to stop traveling and that was actually okay because, uh, because it was time to stop traveling. And uh, we have two acres that we enjoy taking care of, and we've been here, and it's just been really blissful. And uh, in 2021, I had a real blessing come was that all of a sudden uh, I had two new modalities showed up, and that's the location astrology, which we talked about, which I knew for 20 or 25 years, I knew about it, but I never had any feeling to study it. And then all of a sudden, a couple of little things happened. A client mentioned it, and then uh, a friend, I saw a friend of mine was doing it, and then all of a sudden I thought, oh, I'm kind of interested in that, out of the blue. And right. so, and once it comes, then I can... I can follow into it. And so I started studying it for a few months and then I started giving readings. And then, and then this summer, there's a, there's a particular chart. I call it the crown jewel of, of charts is the Nabamsha chart. And I don't want to, again, I don't want to go too far into it. Well, but it's I'm a, actually, please do, because I was, that's okay. the questions and I wanted to ask. You. Okay. So the Nabamsha chart is the, it's the, it's the spouse chart. It's a divisional chart. You divide the chart by nine. You, you divide your natal chart by nine. And there are a lot of divisional charts in, in, in both Western and Vedic astrology. 
And uh, it's like turning the, the microscope to a uh, higher, you can see deeper into it, you know? And, and so it was spouse chart. And I thought, well, what does that mean? You know, spouse uh, marriage. And I thought, well, I don't, I looked at it and I never really understood it. And then I heard that, uh, that A led to B, led to C, led to D, led to E, led to F. And all of a sudden I got the phrase, I, I, I found in a, in a, in a book, that I had for 20 or 25 years, I found a footnote in a chapter I'm sure I read about another book. And I bought that book, which I hadn't seen before. And lo and behold, I find out that the, that the spouse isn't the one you marry, it's the perfect mate. And oh. who is the perfect mate, but you at your highest. Right. And so this chart is you in your later life. It's the chart that you long to be it's it's who you want to be and you are becoming and and i've worked it with 50s 60s and 70s and they know these positions because they're living them and i've done it with 20s and 30s and they're already aware of that as a long-term goal they're not there yet but they're aware that 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 representation of themselves, that that ideal of themselves, is there, and so, and so, it's very helpful for people to understand where they're where they're heading, and and to know what it is that they're looking to become. That that when I give them this, then they can understand uh, again pieces that they already have. You don't have to box yourself in specifically to one belief or anything for me i enjoy the search and that's what draws me to the stars numerology astrology um do you have any experience or familiarity with plant medicine uh yeah i do yeah and i would say that i i believe and disbelieve everything we don't really know anything. And if I say I know, I don't really know either. And so <laughs> right. and and so and so I, I believe all of it. And I and I also don't believe all of it. And and I'm it's not a it's not a squishy position in the middle, is is that I'm open to to all of it, but I'm not you know, I haven't jumped off, I'm not in the water with it. I'm still on the edge, you know. Yeah. What is the truth? has many definitions, you know? I mean, capital truth with, with a capital T has, has maybe has one definition, but, uh, but in, the, in the wheel of totality, there's, a, there's a, a thing in there where I say the difference between my truth and the truth. And I've done this with maybe 500 clients and I was in a show, oh, uh, maybe two months ago now, and I was talking with the, 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 uh, the daughter of a, a person I was working with, and then I worked with her. She was 24 years old. And she, I spent 10 minutes trying to get her to understand the difference between my truth and the truth. And I'd never had that conversation before. It was really, really <laughs> interesting. And uh, that, um, that, um, that, that, that what we think is true could be just our point of view. And being 24 and being in the early 20s, it's understandable that she didn't get it. But, but the point is that there is a higher truth. The, tr the higher truth is a truth that works for everybody. 
that the higher truth can be can be can be in the higher truth. It can be. I, I remember years ago. This is a little bit of a, a side story, but I remember years ago hearing about a piece of land that I had heard that this organization had bought the land and that had been given the land. <laughs> and so I wondered which was true. So I, I, when I went down there, I made sure to ask. And I said, did you get given this land? I went to retreat there. I said, did you get given this land or did you buy the land? And you know what the truth was? Both. Okay. That they had been given some land and that they had bought some land. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so and, I, I have used... Uh, I've been to South America, Peru, and experienced and participated in three ayahuasca ceremonies because battling through depression and anxiety, the traditional sitting in a chair, expressing my feelings, I'm not trying to dissuade anybody from doing that. There, It's helpful by all means, but I just wanted to go deeper and try to overcome grief and what I've kind of my point of bringing all this up is who's to say that the burning bush that Moses saw wasn't some so I mean you know there's a San Pedro cactus which I, I did an episode on in the Andean mountains which has mescaline in it who's to say that he didn't he wasn't the burning bush wasn't some something that he saw from a plant uh it, it might have been God but I mean there's just so many there's no way to know. And, and that's why I'm kind of in relation to what you're saying. There could be two truths to that. Right. Absolutely. And 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 while I, I, I don't know that I've done the ayahuasca, I remember taking acid, you know, 50 years ago and it being uh, a few times and it being very relevant to me. So uh, those those experiences are really good. But I want to say to you that I met a young fellow in India, a very interesting young fellow in India. He was he was the I think he had a bunch of brothers and sisters and, and his mother. One, one of his parents was from America, mm -hmm. probably his father. And then his mother was native. And so he was. And oh, his the one from America, I think, was a missionary. And so he was a pretty wise guy. I met him in India and he was a world traveler and he's still traveling the world. I met him maybe eight or 10 years ago. And so he, so he was from Peru okay. and he had lived all over the area and he had been doing teaching as a, as a 22 year old, as a 24 year old, he had a lot of wisdom and he had a lot of negative to say about these ayahuasca experiences, not so much the ayahuasca, but the echo travel the eco travel. I go on a tangent about this of uh, this journey of this podcast before COVID. And when I first took ayahuasca, I was everybody should try ayahuasca. It's, you know, it breaks your ego. But then what I had to elaborate after the fact and living through the pandemic and then seeing what's going on down there in South America. There are people taking advantage of both men and women, mostly more so women, these shamans uh, and ecotourism, and they're being sold a bag of goods or they're being raped. Women are being raped by these shamans. There are so many byproducts of, 
of malice and and so it's skewed the purity ayahuasca itself there is something i feel as though whatever you want to call it mother aya god whomever these are breadcrumbs these are little things for teachings for us to there's a theory that uh, we evolved as humans and learned how to express and draw in caves and whatnot because we were struggling to uh, eat or whatever. And so somebody discovered like fungi or a, a specific strand yeah. of psilocybin. And then our streams of consciousness were, were expanded. And that's kind of why, I, what my point in bringing all that up is, I feel like there's some correlations to the Bible, these these things, these stories that are told in the, the Bible or the Torah or, or whatever, um, that maybe were linked to hallucinogenics or psychedelics, plant medicine in some form or fashion. I would abs I would absolutely agree with you, and and the, the point that this young fellow made is is that that the that the the that this was all new to those guys. Now there may have been tribes in the high, in the high high people that were doing this uh, ayahuasca work, but mostly it was young guys picking up on something. And uh, there was a story we heard in India. I heard in India many years ago that the, that the, that the guy wanted to become a teacher and he knew he needed a guru. So he went down to the Ganga and he, and he, he looked around for a guy and he took his picture and said, ah, now I've got a teacher. Okay. <laughs> and, and so the thing is, is buyer beware that there's truth in everything. So I believe in, I believe, and I don't believe everything. And the idea is, is that, that you've had good experiences and it's worked for you, then that's, that's great. It doesn't take away. I mean, we had the Carlos Castaneda books in the sixties that blew everybody's mind. Nobody could understand those books. Some people did. I wasn't one of them, but uh, I do remember reading many of them. Right. But the, but the point is that whatever your path is, is that there is truth in it and it can help you. But that doesn't mean it helps everybody. And it doesn't mean that it can't be turned uh, by, I don't want to say bad people, but people who aren't as clear and they use it. They use it to to gain uh, power. They use it to gain money. They use it because it's powerful that they have an ability to be able to make people believe in them. And and so buyer beware about everything. Buyer beware about, um, you know, going to your supermarket, you know, buyer beware about, you know, the 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 drugs that, you know, the legal drugs that you're given, you know, yeah. buyer beware about all of it. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean. Uh, this is cliche, but moderation is the key, I guess. And and it's, uh, because when I went down to South America to participate at this retreat, what I came across was there were so many people that were lost, and they were they were just keep going to other retreats to take the medicine and live at these retreats. That's fine, but. Uh, at what point do you get off the Ferris wheel? I mean, so that you can integrate back into the world. Well, the 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 uh, the challenge in that is to let it go. It's not your right. story. Yeah. And and that and that that is their path. And how many times I had a friend. 
who had I think he he said 60 trips or something and he was he was had gone down and he was into teaching it and 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 uh, uh, and blessings to him you know but the thing is is that who can say that there are you know my wife doesn't can't eat sugar and she doesn't seem to care you know I would miss it I can eat it yeah, and yeah. and it's not that I eat it every day, but you know, if I come across something that's really nice, it's a birthday or a holiday or Christmas. Now that I'm around to Christmas, I make a nice uh, maple walnut pie, which we had, you know, forty five years ago. I started making them at Christmas now, twice in a row, because I enjoy it. But my wife does not, couldn't care less about it, and she can't, she can't physically eat that stuff and it works for her but it doesn't work for me and so I don't want to bemoan anybody that it works or it doesn't you know what's the what is what is the number of trips to where you should be done with it three trips five trips two dozen trips uh, yeah a uh, hundred dozen trips I don't it doesn't matter it's as long as i'm as soon as i'm going into that thinking i'm already i'm not in the moment and i'm already leaving my path and my own set of beliefs and integrity right are oh, you you're going into a vortex <laughs> I mean, absolutely so it's i i i experienced what i was just talking about these people at the retreat and they're all wonderful people but uh i told them I, i've I've gained something, but I need to go a little deeper. So I do not recommend this for anybody because it's not safe and you have to do your research. But uh, I did one-on-one -on -one with a shaman in Peru. I'm not even going to say where. And when I told the people from the prior, they were like, that's crazy. Why would you do that? And I said, because I want, I'm a feeler. I have ADHD when I have somebody next to me and they're vomiting in a bucket or they're having severe pain and they're crying and wailing. That's a distraction from my own release of grief and pain. And, and that, so I wanted to focus on myself and uh, I did that and I did a whole, uh, a whole episode on that and I haven't disclosed this, but the third time, when I was in Peru and he said, where have you done it? I said, Ecuador. And I chose Ecuador because it's the only country in the Amazon Amazonian basin where they require quote unquote, some sort of licensing or certification from a shaman. So that was something that gave me a little peace of mind. I was still taking a huge leap of faith. But when I said what he said, okay, so you've done ayahuasca. And he gave me a little small cup and I uh, was asking, you know, you asked for an intention and I said, please let me see my father. And I saw my dad for a nanosecond. He was a lawyer in his classic stripe pinstripe suit. And then mother, I said, nope, we're going this way. And just next thing I know, I'm experiencing all sorts of things and projectile vomited eight feet in a hut <laughs> all over the place. And so the translate, I mean, it was, it was like I was, and I followed the diet and everything that they said. So it was just clear liquid, but I puked all over my 
clothes. I don't know where this stuff came from. It was insane. And I, I was so embarrassed and I was apologizing. The shaman said, Tomas, tranquilo, like relaxed, let it go. And he's, you know, blowing floral. And it was just, I felt like I had died. It was the most horrific yet beautiful experience. And mm. once I'd done that, I was like, I don't need to take this anytime soon, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and and um, it was it was great preparation for, and it gave me a lot of inner strength and about myself because ironically that was October of 2019 and we all know what was lurking or actually already around four uh -huh. months later, boom. COVID hits. Yeah. Well, that's a wonderful experience. Uh, uh, the, this, the, the, this, the stories in this spiritual path are so varied. And, and what led you to, you know, to the place that you're at is everybody, I guess that's why, uh, that's the beauty of podcasting is, is that everybody has a different story. And uh, that's not my story. I spent a month, uh, we, we spent a month in the Buddhism. We spent a month in Bodh Gaya with the, with the Bodhi tree that, uh, that Buddha uh, underneath that Buddha found enlightenment. Right. And, but, but the story is, is that that may not be the place that it was, but they've been there for celebrating that place for more than 2000 years. And so it has an incredible power. It was incredible to be there for a month, but it's not really the tree and it may not be really the place, but it doesn't matter yes. because everybody thinks it's the place and yeah. they treat it like it's the tree. And uh, people, uh, Buddhists come from all over the world to to come there. Even even they may take a bus for 36 hours and be there for 12 hours and once in a lifetime. And it's and it's worth it to them. It's and it is because it's an it's an incredible place. That's I didn't have to. I may have thrown up because we got sick from the food, but I don't think we you know right. we went eight feet. But uh, yeah, yeah. there were so many incredible spiritual experiences and opportunities that that um that just in a in a moment all of a sudden we can wake up to to realities that there was a a teacher of mine tells this incredible story about a a man that he he may not have actually known him but in the 70s was uh he was actually a uh that they were they were both um european christian priests and that they had ended up uh, living in India because that's what they got led to, that they could still be priests and that they, they felt a connection to Indian and Indian teachers. And so this one fellow in the 70s, he was, this was before computers. He was, he was writing his, his books and he had his information. He was very uptight about holding his information. And his guru told him this, that you're a little uptight about your information. And so he had his bag that he carried with him everywhere because it was pre-computers. Right. And, and so he took a bus into town one day and he left his bag on the bus. And as he was in the marketplace in downtown Rishikesh, in Rishikesh where, uh, where the Beatles were, this was a few years after the Beatles were there. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and so he was walking in the marketplace and he saw the bus move and in the, in the bus moving, he got so panicked that he started running 
for fear he would lose his information the information and in the running he ended up getting a heart attack and before he hit the ground he woke up good he woke up he en- he became enlightened good on the way from running to get the bus and then getting a heart attack and before he hit the ground he woke up it can happen however it happens neuron Ramana, my podcast we've had so much negativity uh going on in the world the world is so polarized in america all throughout fear anger so forth we need to a lot of the stuff going to your point where you're talking about, it's already within us. He didn't really need his briefcase. He'd been reading that stuff, right? Studying it. Right. All. I mean, it was already, the knowledge was already growing and he was absorbing it. It was already within him. But it was his, his was, attachment to it was the last straw. Yeah. Right. And when he, in that panic, somehow he saw through it before he hit the ground and he woke up and he, he lived, he, he lived another six months. He, 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 I don't know the whole story, but he was well enough that he was brought back to Europe and he died there. He died a hero in the sense that all the people would, all the people in the monastery would sit in the room with him because he was, while he may have been wordless, he, he had a presence that he didn't have before. And and so so you can say, was his attachment good or bad? Well, you can say it was bad in the sense that he may have woken up sooner, but you can say that it was good maybe in the sense that when he thought he was losing it, then he, he saw through that barrier, that shield. And yes. so that's why you get rid of good and bad because it's, because it doesn't matter. I like to say chocolate, you know, going back to the sweets, chocolate cake's a good idea, but maybe the whole cake isn't such a good idea. Maybe only one piece is a good idea. Moderation is the key. Yeah. Yeah, moderation is and balance is a, is very important part of the spiritual path, and and that you 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 if you keep pushing yourself, you 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 know the the answer comes. You know, it's the old in in school. You know, you can't do the math problem at night, and you let it go, and in the morning the answer is right there. You wake up with the answer. You know, at least that's how it worked for me. Yeah. And and so the letting go is very important. Letting go of control, relaxing, and then answers come. And this is the this is a path that's that's always good. Uh, I wanted to touch upon just get your opinion on we were talking about Buddhism. I took uh, fascinated. I took a couple courses in religion at the University of Georgia. I was a history major. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a pretty glaring uh, correlation or similarity in the fact that both Christ and Buddha disappeared or uh, around the age of 12 or so and then didn't reappear until their late 20s and early 30s. Am I right? Isn't that true? No. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that's what they say about Christ. Buddha, Buddha left the, left his, uh, left the, um, the palace, but I think his wife was already pregnant. I think he was married. I don't think he was 12. At least I haven't heard it that way. Okay. But I thought that he sort of 
went off. He le he left. He he yes he left for a number of he, years before he yes. But I don't think. But he, he but I don't think he was twelve. I think he was older. He was he was kept isolated, and they didn't want to show him anything bad. And then one day in the marketplace. <laughs> He slipped out and he saw the marketplace and he said, what the heck is that? And they said, uh, whatever they said, you know, that that, that we've been hiding Welcome it from you. And yeah. He, yeah. And he said, see you later. Sayonara. Yeah, and then and then he never he never went back. They wanted him to go back, as I remember, and, and, and rule and be the king when his father died. He didn't go back and his mother ended up joining him. I think his father ended up joining him a little bit too. You know, they, they saw what he was doing. There's a, a wonderful book. Um, I'm just thinking about Buddha, if you haven't read it, uh, by Thich Nhat Hanh. White Cloud, uh, White Cloud, uh, I think White Cloud is part of it, but it's a, it's a big biography of Buddha and it's really juicy. I read okay. that quite a few years ago and, uh, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh's a wonderful, I and mean, he just passed. He's a wonderful, was a wonderful being, and and had a lot of depth. But uh, his his view of Buddhism was very uh, uh, popularized, you know, in the sense of more workable. And this this white cloud, I can't think of the name, but tremendous book. I suggest that to people. Yeah, no, I definitely would love to read that. I've got to ask you. I know mathematics. What was what was your favorite calculus? What, what did you thrive in? What type of mathematics? Uh, you know, uh, once I got up to cal calculus, was it started leaving at calculus? I was yeah. geometry. I was really good at. Um, I remember in fourth grade, I they, they they we were going pretty slow, and I remember teaching all the kids in the class long division in fourth grade. I was really ready to go further. <laughs> Sure. I think they split us. I think they split us up. They had a they had a, a, a three four and a four five, and I probably mathematically I was definitely ready for the four five. Yeah. But I suppose emotionally or mature wise, I suppose I was more of a three four. So, so that was the height. But but it was more. It was it was more of a mathematical thought. And in fact, I consider the Enneagram. I consider astrology i consider the wheel of totality i consider them all sacred geometry that they're that there's mathematical influences that's part of what they have in common that people don't understand that they have this mathematical frequency they have sacred geometry they have they have shapes that are that are part of it and and that 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 the you know there's so many angles and and horizons and things in math in, in astrology it's all it's very mathematical in its approach yeah i mean obviously i don't know nearly your next this is your expertise but i researching for the interview i sort of was grasping an intuition and that's why i wanted to ask you about you know mathematics and and how it correlates with all this astrology and so forth yeah, interestingly enough, uh, the mathematics has sort of left that that in the in the about 10 years ago, as I started getting into more writing and wanted to do the writing, then I started thinking more in words and I stopped thinking so much mathematically. And I remember saying to a client, I saw I sold uh, I, I bought one time I went to Thailand after I stopped doing the importing. I went to Thailand and I bought, I saw an earring, 
I saw some stuff that I really liked. So I brought it back and I remember selling it to the customer. And I remember they were $6 and she bought nine of them. And I said, nine times six, that's 54. Is that right? And, <laughs> you know, I never would have done that before. You know, yeah. I never used I didn't hardly ever use a calculator unless you add up the page. But at that point, which was already six or eight years ago, I couldn't remember. I wasn't quite sure nine times six. And so and so the mathematics is as kind of left in a sense. I mean, there's some some mathematical mathematical frequency still that I have, but it's mostly more, I started thinking more in words rather than in mathematics. If that makes any sense to you, I, I could yes. try to explain it more. Yes, I mean, so a perfect segue. Uh, look at the date we're doing this interview on, 2-2-22. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and I'm a sports, so numbers for me, I was a, as a child, I was memorizing baseball statistics and all kinds of crazy stuff. Sure. And uh, I'm I'm graduated from the University of Georgia, and I'm so I come up with numerology in my own little quirky system. I graduated from University of Georgia in 2004. I'm a Boston Red Sox fan. They finally won a World Series for the first time in 2004. Two plus four equals six. So I was then came up with this crazy thing where Georgia, University of Georgia, they just won the national championship in football. And my premise before the game was, okay, what year is it? It's 2022, six. Uh, it's all <laughs> just, you know, yeah. with, with that kind of numerology. It, does that relate to what you're doing? Probably not. But <laughs> no, I, I don't think so. But I have I have to tell you, I'm a I'm a Wolverine. I graduated from Michigan, so well, I know Georgia won. I don't know. I, <laughs> well, well, hold on a second. I'm sorry about that game, but at least you beat the hell out of Ohio State finally. Yeah, <laughs> you finally yeah. got the Buckeyes for uh for the first time in years. So well, that felt that felt really good. Yeah. Yeah, they had a very good team. But no, I think that's coincidence more than it is a, a spirit. I and I, I used to play with stuff like that, too. Superstition uh, is something I, I generally will typically call that. But the, but the thing is, is that while it is a little bit of superstition, the fact is, is that you're you're seeking you're seeking personality. You're, lo you're looking to try to find patterns. I think that this is a very uh, positive uh, trait and and. Uh, and then it, it will serve you well in relation to ayahuasca, in relation to your spiritual search, in relation to into the Buddhism teachings that you study that you feel are really good and that are not so good. And mm -hmm. and and Buddhism, you know, when we were at uh, Bodh Gaya, which I had been at at the Millennium, I was actually wow. there at the Millennium, and it was incredible. And I had wanted to go back. So I, uh, so my wife and I went for a month. We had a retreat there. We had a personal retreat. We just went to the temple uh, two or three or four times a day. But the what we learned there was that Buddhism had a merit system and that people did the ups and downs. You know what the ups and downs, the... The bowing down and the getting right. up, and if you and if you did a hundred thousand of them, then you, then you had it, and and we went to a a, a place near there, center near there, and we saw a I guess suppose it was a tomb, and they said they said that uh, 
you know, died at 40 and was, you know, did her ups and downs and was really a hard worker. And we thought, well, she burned herself out, you yeah. know, that yeah. that the that the merit system and they had there were some holy that they had a holiday, a 10 day holiday, and they set up tents for the poor people to come and, and drop their money. And and this was not this was not the Buddhism that we this was how Buddhism was being practiced, and this was not a Buddhism that we were there to experience. We experienced right. it, but not we. We were uh, we didn't think much of it. In fact, you we were just it, it, yeah. You didn't take to it. <laughs> no, we did not take to it, and we thought it was pretty shallow. That it's a that why why are they coming when they're old for right. for thirty eight six hours on the bus and twelve <laughs> hours there? It's to it's to prep for the next life. That's why they're coming. And, yeah. and, and maybe there's truth to that. But um, that's what they were encouraged to do in their religion. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I let people decide that. I don't want to say it's wrong, but it, it, it seemed a little ingenuous to us. You know, the tree, that, that was powerful. And the, yeah. and the environment of the place, it's, a, it's, a, it's like a five-acre park with, with different things all over and you've got hundreds of people doing ups and downs men and women you know you do 3000 4000 a day so 100 100000 is a month up and down up and down up and down 10 12 14 16 hours a day it's uh that's intense wow <laughs> yeah <laughs> i have to ask you uh, selfishly because i i struggle with, i don't my mind always racing i feel like i can't shut my mind off I, I can think of three different things uh creatively or things that are worrying me how how can i meditate like i can't get my mind to calm to, to it's very hard for me and that's why i was drawn to ayahuasca because i just said well it's going to take control of me and force me to go to that place where my mind maybe needs to rediscover or the trauma or whatever pain, grief, and sorrow that I'm seeking out to get out of my my psyche and, and body in a way. So I would say to that is, is that there that the meditation isn't necessarily for everybody and that you can okay. do walking meditation. Yep. You can do service. There's a there's a different yogas. You can you can do a karma yoga. You can do right. priya yoga doing. You can do bhakti yoga uh, chanting and and singing God's name. And and each of the paths are for different people. You know, as far as your mind, you know, I'd like to see your astrology chart and see if we okay. see planets there, and then maybe we can identify what they what those energies are. But the thing is, if there's patterns in the thinking. You know, I would try to make a deal and say, look, there's nothing, you know, for the next five minutes. I don't need to solve any world problems or any personal problems. Right. OK, I'll get back to you in five minutes, but give me five minutes. And then the next day, maybe it can go 10 minutes. And and so you work your way up to a place. But but I think that there are other things that you can do. I think that you learn that that you come to a different period in your life. It may it may subside. It may have never subsided 
you know, in 42 years, but it may be that there's a period up ahead where it will subside, you know, when you go into your Saturn period, it may quiet down. And I think that there are other ways, uh, there's other ways to, again, you know, people uh, wake up sitting on a bus, people wake up worried about a bus, you know, people, I had, a, <laughs> yeah. I had a teacher that, that said that, that, that there have been people who woke up defecating, you know, that by defecating, oh, wow. <laughs> by releasing all of a sudden they were they were one and yeah yeah and and so so walking meditation uh, chanting god's name uh listening to chanting listening to higher vibration being around yes. higher vibration people uh, uh doing a lot of reading you know when my mind gets busy i like to put it down on paper and then i can forget about it yeah. So, so it, I would take a look at, I would look at the patterning of what you're thinking about. If it's old, then is there something that you need to resolve? It's something that you, that you need to do. I'd put them on paper and then sit, let it go. And I would try to find, you know, five or 10 minutes. And so I would walk and get peaceful that way. Even if the mind is going uh, to exercise the body and to be in nature uh, yeah. is a way to do it. And, yeah. and so, and so I would, I would, uh, uh, you you can't get into what's wrong with me. You can get into, um, you know, I want to, I, I don't want to say I want to do better. I, I want to say I want to grow. Yes. So I want to grow. And so, and so, you know, and so this is stopping me. So I'm going to do other things in order to, you know, it's, it's nothing wrong, but it's not the, my highest part of myself and so right. the and it could be that the that the mind is that it's doing that because there's something that you're not dealing with and it yeah. may be that by dealing with what it is maybe then it, then it can be released and let go i wouldn't say it's always going to be that way i would say at 42 years you could say i've had proof it's never going to change i would say that's proof that it hasn't changed but i would say it's not proof that it will never change yeah no i don't agree yeah i'm at a point in my life that uh i know it's going to change and in, in, in a lot of ways i feel like i'm going through a transformation um in in a good sense not like not like in a cocoon and coming out of butterfly or anything like that that uh -huh. but I, I just I'm letting things go from my past and it's a gradual thing. And it's, I mean, I can tell you that uh, two, three months after my mother died, I was a train wreck. And now I feel so much, I'm exercising regularly, like three or four times a week. And uh, I'm, I'm just all about doing anything I can to, to let things go and stay away from the negative energies because there are so many of them pulling people around in the world you know yeah. what I mean? well that's uh that's a wonderful uh attitude tom and and blessings on your journey uh uh yeah it's just uh you know a year with your mother it doesn't seem very long and uh i have a theory that uh, for couples if, if you've been together five years, maybe it takes a year. I was together 25 years. Maybe it took five years to get over it. You've been with your mother 40 years. I'd give her a few more months, maybe years. And, and, and you may never be the same, but that doesn't mean that it won't 
that the 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 that the I read recently the grief comes in waves, fifteen okay. and twenty minute waves, and you gotta you gotta get through that fifteen or twenty yeah. minutes, yeah. and then and then it'll you know be and then uh, and be ready you know until it comes back. And this goes for both my parents. There, here's the thing: is uh, and it took me a long time to realize this because until my mom died because I'd lost my dad to cancer, and that's what drew me to go down to South America to try to overcome that grief. And it worked. That part worked. I was at peace with losing my father. Ironically, as soon as I come back, you know, my mother gets sick shortly thereafter. But I think that's what gave me the strength to hand, handle it because I, my mom and I, we had, we were so, what, what I came to, I started journaling, what I came to realization was, is we were so similar. We had the same person, like a lot of personality, great sense of humor, witty, I love to be social, but we weren't close at times. But I made damn sure that I was, I, because of COVID, I had the, that was a silver lining. I had the opportunity to pack up my car load up Rex and go back to the house that I grew up in and literally be my mother's caregiver for the last two months of her life. And it was one, that was one of the proudest things I did because we, it wasn't all bad. We, we had a lot of laughs and we made peace with a lot of things. And, uh, beautiful. Yeah. And that's why she's with me. Both my parents are with me for the rest of my life. They're, they're still within me. And, and that's kind of what my message to other people who have had a loss of, of a, whether it be a, it's grief. If you've lost somebody in your life, it's, it's not easy. It's one of the hardest things to deal with, whether if you're, it's a parent or a loved one, you know, a spouse, girlfriend, I hear the worst is a child, but um, I don't have a baseline or a reference point for that. I have my own personal yeah. story. And that being said, uh, I definitely want you to do my chart line. And oh, okay. And for the greater, you know, for my listeners, people listening, how if they're interested in doing the same, how can they go about? Let's do a plug for you. Okay, so uh, the, the the you can check out my website indrarinsler.com. Uh, you can email me if you're interested, indrarinsler at gmail.com. I make an offer on the podcast to, uh, if you send me your birth uh, date, I need three things, date, time, and place. Yep. I will send you your Vedic astrology chart and and a little bit of how to read it. And then I will also send you the Enneagram test so that you can figure out your Enneagram number. If you're interested in that, that's yeah. for anybody. Those are free offers. Uh, the life reading takes three hours uh, at least. It's uh, three different modalities. The focus is to help you to wake up to who you really are. Yeah. Who you think you are is your personality. It's not who you really are. It's, it's, a, it's a lens that we use to navigate life. It's an identity that we take on. We're essence. The reading is essence to essence. It's higher self to higher self. And the idea is without judgments is to learn uh, what your, uh, you know, the, the subplots for your life, for the story, uh, for your, uh, of your, 
of your life story in order to be able to to be able to let them go is to be able to see through them in order to let them go in order to become who you really are and uh, and to realize that uh, you know I have people that say to me you mean everybody doesn't feel that way no no everybody doesn't every they don't have. Yeah. You know, Mercury in this plant, in this house, in this sign, you know, like you do, you know, that's why you feel it. But not everybody has that. And so and so uh, for most people, it's the it's a it's a it's a time of germination, the seeds in order to be able to become who they really are, to be able to let go. Great. I, I can't wait. So you'll be hearing from me shortly. <laughs> okay, very good. Thank you. People listening out there, we'll we'll do the same. Uh, well, Andrew, I can't thank you enough. I've really enjoyed this. Thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. One of the most interesting insights Indra offers is that he's noticed among the different species on Earth, there is a connectedness they all seem to share, and that across the universe, it may only be a difference of scale. Visit Indra's website to explore his expertise more. In upcoming episodes, I'm excited to explore more of the concepts of purpose and universality. We'll hear from Carolyn Hauser on a new paradigm of sexual connectedness and healing. Tyler Foley on putting a voice to your inner purpose. And author and screenwriter Maggie Daniels on the power of poetry and creative writing to heal and process grief. There's so much to be shared in the world, and I'm grateful for every listener along the way. Andrew's offered to provide chart readings for any of my listeners out there, and if you email him, please be sure to let him know you discovered his life's work from listening to this podcast episode. Until next time, this is Neurons to Nirvana.